All right. I'm ready. Mm, okay. But okay. that but that doesn't mean you have to be ready, Joshua. Oh, you, Robert. You you take as We're growing. I just <laughs> you, you take as much time as you want. I feel so loved. Uh. <laughs> Entry music. It's the Bob and Josh show. We are revisiting Quiet Quitting for a third time. Why? It's important. And also we're taking it from the angle of Agile teams. How does it affect a team? How does it work? Can you even do it in a really high-performing Agile team? Then we dig into what exactly is high performance. Before we get started, though, two things I want to make sure you know that we're doing on the regular now. Every Friday when we record the episode, we're going to live stream it. So you can tune in, listen, and even join the chat and help us steer the direction of the episode. Second, I'm back to my weekly AMA streams. I like to call myself a content innovator in the Agile space. That's because I was doing AMAs live on Twitch before it was even a thing. So we're back. I'm excited. The old crew always tunes in and we have a lot of fun. So every Wednesday, noon Eastern, join us. Here we go. This will be, I think, our third episode on quiet quitting. Something that hit me about a week ago is as you look at some of the aspects of quiet quitting, where it's I'm doing the minimal amount of work needed to achieve my job, or I reduce it even further and work a second job. As I thought about that, it's like, wait a minute. If you're in a high-performing agile team where transparency and communication are the norm, and you have good retrospectives, it feels like you're going to get called out pretty quickly on that. And so that approach to quiet quitting seemed really challenging to me. And I threw that out to Bob, and Bob threw out some great points about, well, you know, there's all these other things that could happen. So that's what we're going to talk about today and talk about um, if you need to quiet quit. And maybe we help you figure that out, or maybe you just talk to your teammates. I don't know. It's the topic we wanted to dig into, so we're off and running. Mr. Galen. Cool. I I do think, why don't we define quiet quitting? I, I know right. we had two episodes on it, but I sort of, I'm narrow on it, but what, what do you, what do you think quiet, not what everyone says, but what is it to you? And then maybe what is it to me before we dive in? The way it's been portrayed in the media is that it is dialing back from that like hustle culture of more, 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 do more, do everything you can and recognizing that you are paying me for my time for this amount of time. And I'm trading that for you. There are things I'm giving up to do this. So I'm going to actually dial it back. And if you pay me to do this project, like that's it, I'm doing this. Or if you're paying me for eight hours a day, that's it. I'm doing it. I'm not I'm not going over because otherwise I'm giving you a freebie. And what does that do to my life and my mental health and everything that goes along with that? So it really accelerated as COVID hit and people were working from home and everything that goes into that. So there's that aspect. Then there's the dialing it back even further. And because so many people are remote, you end up working a couple of jobs because maybe you can knock your stuff out in three hours, four hours, whatever it is, and you realize I can make another salary doing this. And then that right. starts to create the separation where like I haven't quit, 
but I have. And like even that is strong wording, depending on what side of the fence that you stand on. Then, of course, me uh, and just the way I'm wired, it's hard for me to do just the minimal amount. But there's times where I think, gosh, maybe I should do that for my own health and sanity. So those are the key flavors. Plus, then you just have the whole quitting of not being treated right, inflation, all of those things that you can just layer on top of that. I was watching, um, I, I align with what you said. I'm not going to redefine it. I, I was watching briefly a Kazi or some stream that you were talking about yesterday or the day before. I just clicked in. Um, I couldn't log in. I was going to comment. I was going to make a smart ass comment or something to you. Like, And you were talking about whip limit. And if you and it's recent enough, yep. mm -hmm. and and you were talking about, I think you liked excessive whip, so you know you run better with lots of whip, uh, right. and you like lots of whip, uh, and being overloaded, uh, if you remember, mm -hmm. and and I and I I think about that, and I was I was like, but and you said you were wired that way. I think it was something like that's just the way I am. Um, and I, I was thinking, well, not everyone's like that, right? right? And, and, you know, you weren't projecting that on other folks, but I think quiet quitting. So in an agile team, so the question, can you quiet, quit, quit quietly in an agile team? I think it's hard because it's going to be transparent, right? In a good it's, agile team, right? That's it. But then I want to poke, I want to poke holes a little bit in like this okay. high performance. When we use this term high performance agile team, and I do this a lot. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I say that I say that phrase a lot. Well, what does that mean? And okay, high, if I use Josh, like if I use your definition, it's high whip limit, high engagement, high energy, high hours, or whatever. And and I sustain that over time. And I think to myself, is that fair? Is that the definition of high performance for everyone? Uh, is it, if you go to low performance, meaning it, let's say you're disengaged, you're having a family issue or something like that, a death in the family, does that mean that you are quietly quitting? So I, I, I get on the surface, the quiet, I think quit quietly is hard in an agile team, but I almost want to, in my own head, I'm reframing it to be, well, what is a high-performance team look like? Uh, and right. what does a, a low-performance team look like? And I don't know if it's fair uh, for them to be like you. I'm not picking on you. I'm just using you as an example. I, I wonder if that's fair. Uh, and I've always, always equated it to that. They're running around. <laughs> they're, they, they're, they're, you know, like when it's the teams on site, uh, if people are running around and fully engaging in things like that, oh, that's a high-performance team. So does that mean that a quiet team is an underperforming team? And I might argue, no, it depends. But am I going to stereotype them? So so does that resonate with you? Do you have any reactions to where I'm going? Yeah, and even, you know, to bring back that stream that I was, was talking about, I'm telling myself or... Right now, I believe I'm happiest when my whip is set really high. But am I just making an excuse? 
because that's what fills the day and you know gives me joy and maybe it's like well if it gives me joy just do it um so i'm so i'm wrestling with that personally we can tackle that on other streams but that to me what i boil it down to is you know you go back to that weighted shortest job first stuff of what's what's the most amount of value we can deliver in the least amount of time and effort so what i look at is a high performing team is someone that does just that that with minimal effort efforts probably the wrong word but um with without excessive effort extra overtime gnashing of teeth all of that stuff you deliver good value consistently to me that's what a high performing team is and without stress you know one of the things that uh, you think about baseball and pitching so that's a thing that my son is into and there's there's pitch counts of like hey you probably shouldn't go over 100 pitches but then there's a difference of like high stress pitches versus it's the first inning couple of easy ground outs those those pitches count but not the same as it's late in the game bases are loaded two outs stresses way up right that 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 same thing if you want to do it with low pressure situations there are people that get things done but through a lot of pressure they put on them and their their, their teammates and that is unhealthy and is ultimately going to crack crack the team and that's how i operated early in my career as a leader because that's how i worked so i started impressing that upon the teams of this is who we have to be and it caused some people to crack and man that just that breaks my heart as i look back at it and realized what i did to those folks and so i've sworn to not do that again but that's the angle that i take that right i i I think at you know high performance one one attribute is i think it's unique per team mm-hmm. right even even the value josh even the high so we're delivering predictably delivering high value but are we burning ourselves out right so we've done it in the short term but in the long term we have attrition yeah. uh or we're not kind to ourselves um and so so to me it's there's a yin and yang to to high performance teams uh are they delivering value but are they also maybe delivering internal value? Are they working hard, but they also, you know, uh, playing hard and giving themselves grace or, or whatever. Maybe there's a, a yin and a yang, right? Uh, and there's a balancing act to it that we don't acknowledge. And, that, and I'm picking on myself because I, I normally think of one, one side of those balancing acts, you know, productivity, uh, mm-hmm. collaboration, uh, energy, passion, positivity, and if you don't have it, and a lot of those things, you align the negative side of them. You align with quiet qu- quitting, right? And uh, but what if what if they're in balance? What if it's it's okay? Uh, one final point: I talk about I, I learned this. I think at eye contact, I was pushing for continuous improvement, really hard, and. I was pushing the coaches and the scrum masters for continuous improvement. And at one point after like a year or 18 months, they, they gave me some pushback and they said, <laughs> you know, everyone's tired of getting better. Um, <laughs> and I, I mean, it really, they were tired. They were just, it, yeah. they were like, they were tired and they were like, we can't, you know, 
how do we squeeze more? They were looking to me <laughs> to give them wisdom. How do we squeeze more juice out of the lemon? And and it, they, it hit me right between the eyes. And I'm like, don't, don't let the lemons go for a while. And it was an epiphany for me. And that was, and these were, and these were high performance teams. And we just stopped pushing for continuous. And we still did retros, et cetera, a little bit, but probably three to four months or so, we just took a pause and gave them a breath. And so on a curve, it was like an S curve. It's, you know, the beginning of the teams and they accelerated. Then we had this like pause. And if you looked at, to me, that was a high performance team all along. But you could perceive that pause to be quiet quitting. And, uh, and it's gotcha. not. Right. Okay. And an outsider, actually outsiders looking at it, like someone, you know, an external coach or an external leader that comes in and just visits the team. They're like, well, what the hell's going on? You know, I just attended a retrospective and everyone was sort of mailing it in. Well, you didn't understand. And maybe that's what I'm saying. Maybe there's a context. Maybe there's a long term context, too, as part of it. Yeah, I think that's what really good agile coaches or scrum masters do is they maintain that balance at dude solutions. I had folks like that where they were always the ones out front reminding me, planning the things that we need, we needed to do to maintain a healthy set of teams. Uh, because again, I was always pushing and driving because that's how I was wired. I, I got better at it as I learned, but it wasn't my natural instinct so to have partners there that that was at the front of their mind even though it wasn't at mine that to your point the yin and yang was really healthy and we got to healthier teams over time as we started to work together to to make and shape that you know i think about it's football season and it's a very physical game yet what many teams in the league have understood is that practicing in full pads every day delivers a worse product because players are injured, players are worn down, bad things happen on Sundays. Bad things still happen on Sundays. That's just the way the game works. But they've dialed it back to optimize the performance of every athlete that's on their team. Even basketball does it, where some of the star players sit out if if they had a road game last night and then a road day game the next day where they had to leave one city at 2 a.m. and then play at like 4 p.m. the next day. So there's things like that, that as you look at things that we traditionally think of high performing and what they're doing to dial things back to ensure performance, we should be doing the same things with our teams and viewing that system, that group of people as high, as high performance and what can we do to ensure that they can run at peak performance most of the time? Because there's going to be times where you're going to have to dial it back. And to Bob's point, let them recover. I, as you were talking, I was thinking about the Iverson, that quote, right? That we've talked about <laughs> yeah. many yeah. times. But it's, but it's that difference. This is, you know, it's practice, right? And, it, and it's a really good metaphor or model. Allen Iverson was small. And he brought it. I never saw a game where he took it off, time off. Mm -hmm. But he took, but he didn't really totally invest in practice, right? And and because he was so invested in the games. But yeah. it's that balancing. So you could look at him as a quiet quitter, right? You could perceive him yeah, as, a, as a that, yeah. 
you could perceive him as a quiet quitter. And that would well, be false. and 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 that's how he was portrayed because that was towards the end of the playoffs. He had played a long season, 82 games, plus another dozen or so. And to your point, he's small. He drives the basket a lot, so he so he just gets beat up. And the press was given was giving him a hard time about not going to a practice. And and his response was, Are we talking about practice? It's like and just like Bob said, on game day, on game night, he was 100% gave everything he had. So you could never question the guy. But we as a society were like, dude, you're not practicing. How are you not out in practice going as fast right. and as hard as you can? So that started to crack open the door to like, wait a minute. Maybe the right answer isn't crushing everybody every day. Maybe right. you should let them heal and respond so that way they're in optimal shape for when the lights are on. and the TV cameras are on. I think you said something at least that resonated with me that's important. You tied it to the scrum master and you tied it to do it a little bit. And so I, I don't think, so that's not let the world decide or observe and and critique and they're quiet quitting. The, and, and the world does it. You know, observers, people who come and go, leaders do that. Why don't we determine, so can you quietly can a can an agile team quietly quit? Ask the scrum master, right? Yeah. Or ask someone who's closest to it, and and then if they are, what are they doing about it, right? What are they doing to encourage that or to work it? Or are they pulling leaders in? Is someone quietly quitting because they don't have a vision, or they haven't been connected to the overarching vision, or they've been treated poorly? Uh, and if the scrum master, and I'm not trying to put a burden on them, but the person closest to the team who's coaching the team. So to me, that scrum master is the coach of the team. And if, and if they think it's okay, then shut up and walk away. <laughs> and if they, <laughs> and if they don't think it's okay, well then help them and help the team. How, what do you think? Is that where you, you sort of landed that or that resonated with me? Yeah. The words that are forming in my brain is a really healthy agile team will have addressed much of this in the conversations that they need to be had or that they yeah. need to have yeah. to just be healthy from the norms of what's what's okay for us as a team what are we going to allow each other to do what's the what's the range that i can go from low to high then as a teammate might start to dial back or get flustered or something, somebody's going to push in and say, hey, Bob, what's going on? Is everything okay? Can I help? Yep. Is there anything we can do? Or do you just need some space? And then having that dialogue really helps support that person. And it will be rather unlikely that in a really supported environment, like a healthy agile team, that folks would leave because that is a relatively rare thing. Now, there will always be reasons, but your turnover will be lower with healthy agile teams. I'm as a, a takeaway from this this episode. I'm I'm I was just thinking of I need to challenge myself long term to stop using high performance agile teams. It just I don't think it's serving. It's I mean in my head I understand the balancing act and things, but I think when I say that it sort of sets teams up for failure or whatever, or it sets it as like a, 
what like like a they're up on a pedestal or something and you're either there or you're not you know like you're doing scrum or not you know that notion mm-hmm. of you know you're either you're either not you're doing scrum or fall or you're doing scrum it's binary i i think there's a danger with with influencers like you and i yeah. or coaches for us to use that our language sometimes sets it up as binary or extreme I, i'm just sharing like a like a a learning that I'm having from this episode that I need to, just like I try to scrub my language, not talking about development, like silos, like developers and testers, I probably need to scrub my language on, you know, and be careful about high performance and really talking about the yin and the yang. That's the point rather than putting it up on a pedestal and only talking about one side of the performance. I agree. And that's something that I've been trying to work on for a while. And, you know, I think I'm getting better, but not at the rate that I would like. I I remember, gosh, probably a decade ago when uh, people had those like happiness surveys when somebody walks in yeah. and you like rate yourself and you see how the team is. And, you know, I, I feel like I'm pretty in tune with the teams, but I still was like, what, what do you need that for? You know, like we should be able to talk when in reality – Maybe there's times where somebody needs to raise a hand and maybe they don't want to, you know, put a spotlight on themselves. But there are things that are out there that other people were leading the charge on that I didn't buy into fully that as I've learned and grown, I appreciate more. Like maybe there was a there, there there's some musical artists that I wish I would have recognized more and appreciated in the time. And this is one of those things where dang it, I wish I would have done better and really understood what they were talking about and leaned into it more. Uh, but now now that's on me to incorporate that as best I can. But it is, given how we were raised in the business world, where it was more, 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 more. And so we were rewarded for doing more, 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 more. And now as leaders, we have this almost default expectation that that's how you win but in reality, there's that unseen price that you end up paying with that give me more, give me more, where it has turned into this quiet quitting world because you just crush people and don't reward them. You just right. expect more. One of the things I was thinking about back to your whip limit, um, it's modeling. And yeah. so you you were saying you were using the language like i'm wired this way mm-hmm. um and and i like it it gives me joy but that's put you in a leadership role and that's valuable what you just said that 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 works but at the same time it's it's not a, just about you it's about what you're modeling with the teams around you so it almost that's my question so should you force yourself to become comfortable with whip limits uh, if not for you, for your teams, you, and 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 to like you're giving them permission. Yeah, you know what? My, my, so not, yeah, I. So I totally get you. My gut reaction, and I think it's the wrong one. My gut reaction is, well, my personal whip limit. You know, that's for me. I won't bring that into my work whip limit life, and I think that's a fallacy. Like, I don't think it would do anything but but bleed. Um, so yeah, that's something I would agree with you. 
you because you think about people that like don't want to leave until the boss is left or something yeah. like yeah so what kind of environment do i create when i operate the way that i do with teams because i'm modeling something that's crazy well it's not no it's good for you yeah but it's not good for everyone right the jab i remember years ago i worked at a company micronosis and we had a a japanese firm and we were actually acquired by a japanese firm and i visited the tokyo office and and i'd heard all these stories and stuff but literally there the 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 development teams were at a table and the manager and it was an open like a long table with computers and the manager was at the head of the table and you the manager like you didn't leave until it was it was like a game of chicken or something like like no yeah. one wanted to leave yeah. uh now again japanese culture is different and and the men work and their wives you know don't and there's different dynamics there right so they're the primary breadwinners etc but it was just funny and you would see people like typing but like five six seven o'clock at night you'd see people looking around it's like who's who's gonna go who's gonna go yeah. uh, and the boss would never go right the boss would it, it was it, and so there was like this form of strength and weakness but but it's but that's your that's the model right that 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 is a real thing in japan it's very strong but it's a real thing yeah there's um one of the things that I have tried to do is model behaviors that I want the team to know it's okay to do. So taking vacations is very important to me. Taking vacations at a time that might be perceived as crucial yep. is important to me to be able to give folks a signal that like, hey, you know, we all need our time. This is this is what you need to do. And if it if it's your vacation, go. And on vacation, I don't respond to things because I don't want somebody to feel that obligation when they're off doing whatever they want to do that, oh gosh, I need to check. And I get on people's cases when somebody's saying, hey, I'm going on vacation, but I'll be checking. And I just like, no, you're not. You know, like if I catch you doing that, we'll disable your account until you get back. Just things like that where you have, you have to encourage that or leaving early and making sure it's visible not yep. sneaking out but leaving early saying bye to everybody making sure they see oh okay the boss on a friday is leaving a little early you know doing his thing so that's that's okay and encouraging that there are some social situations that i'm not comfortable with but as a leader i have to do that because there are people like bob said that aren't like me that really grow because of that so i have to model that behavior and show them that like hey this is who we are and this is how we roll and even though i'm not super comfortable doing it i'm doing it here with you because i'm going to support you well it's a, it's modeling that yin and yang yeah it's not just just not just leaning into where your comfort zone is but your discomfort not that long ago and it took me aback at the, at the time but sean bradshaw so i sent i, for, I forget exactly the context it was a holiday weekend and I sent uh, an email, and I get up early, so I sent an email to Zenergy, uh, to, and I copied someone. And to me, I wasn't expecting a return. Like I, I, I this was just me at like five a.m. in the morning, <laughs> sending stuff out, you know, doing my thing, 
And if I got an immediate response, I'd be shocked. And if it happened, like after everyone got back from the holiday weekend, that would be fine. And I got a day later, uh, Sean sent me an email and I, and I, and I now in reflection, he was like thinking about it. Do I send it to him? Do I, do I, do I yell? But he's like, Bob, it, you really need to stop sending emails on holiday weekends to folks because it puts a burden on them that they feel like they have to work over the weekend. And I didn't get, and that was not my intention, but it doesn't matter. This yin and yang thing, right? It, right. My intention does, isn't the only factor is how are people interpreting it? And how are they they reacting to it? And and that happened maybe a year ago, but you can tell that it's stuck with me, and yeah. and it's it's sort of made me more balanced or more sensitive. Um, I've been talking lately about the shadow. I did a lightning talk the other night at an agile RTP meeting, and my little lightning talk was the shadow that you cast as a leader. Oh wow! And Mary okay. and Mary Thorne and I were talking about that at a keynote, and being aware, and, and I think this. The metaphor covers this like we cast a shadow as a leader in multiple directions and to be more self-aware of the shadow that you're casting and the impact it has to the organization so as we boil this down and wrap it up it gets back to everything we talked about in the previous quiet quitting episodes is it's on you as a leader and your leadership team to build an environment where quiet quitting isn't a thing where people are empowered to take care of themselves, encouraged to take care of themselves by you modeling those behaviors. So this is, I think the third episode that we've done, but it still boils down to leadership setting the proper tone for long-term success. And I, I think it's as simple as that. I, I would agree. And in a balanced fashion, so don't miss it. I, I want to make sure um, we want yeah, high point. high performance isn't bad. I mean, Josh was talking about football. <laughs> you know, it's fun to be on a winning team. I said, oh, we're a low performing football team and we haven't won a game this year. <laughs> right. So that's I'm going to quit that as well. So yeah. it's this I think it's this balancing act that we need to strike. Uh, and I I agree with you. I, I think leaders and it's really hard, but to be balanced in that and to model mm -hmm. that. Okay. Have we stuck a fork in it, Bob? I think so, Josh. So okay. can can we do can we do the handshakes? Oh, for beautiful yeah. downtown Cary, North Carolina. I'm Bob Gallen. And super beautiful Fuquay, Marina, North Carolina. I'm Josh Anderson. Shake. And bake. Take care, y'all. <laughs>